Good morning, everybody. As you guys all know, we have a federal election starting tomorrow. Well, pre-voting has already taken place, but tomorrow. And so I just want to talk a little bit about that. Um, We live in a great country, folks. We really do. If you've been paying attention even the last few days, there was a story that came out of Mexico. And El Chapo, who's the, one of the biggest, he's serving a life sentence in, in the States right now. Um, his son's one of the biggest cartel, leader of one of the biggest cartels now in the world, and they captured him in Mexico. And within a couple of hours, the cartel rolled into town, had more artillery than the actual Mexican army, and opened fire on the, not only their army, but also civilians, and demanded that they let El Chapo's son go, and the government bowed to them, let the son go so that the violence would stop. And I think, we live in an amazing country, folks. We truly do. That would likely never happen here, and if it did start to happen, it would probably end very quickly. And, um, and we're just very grateful to not have that, you know, going on. As I thought about that, I thought about other countries around the world and leaders, that there's some countries that are led by crazy leadership. Truly is. You're a Christian in some country. You're going to die if if you proclaim your faith. You know, the human rights around the world, what they do to people is unbelievable. It's scary. And so before I get into this uh, talking about the election, you know, as mad as we can get about the situation and as much as we still need to pay attention, you know, because... I believe that God wants us to have a, a, a godly government. At the same time, we can't forget how incredibly blessed we are to live in such a country that we do, and we need to thank God for that on a daily basis because, like I said, around the world, there's stuff going on that would never happen here. But there's a reason why we have such a great country, and um, this country was founded on godly principles from the very beginning. I don't know if all of you know this, but um, that we shall have dominion from sea to sea that shows up in many of our government buildings in different areas came from Psalm 72. I'm in the Bible that he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And so that proclamation has always been about God having sovereignty over the country of Canada. And so there's a reason why we live in a great country. It was founded on godly principles by some godly people. Another reason why we have such a great country is that because of that, uh, we live in a place where people get to choose their leadership. And that's a privilege. That's a godly privilege that we have to be able to choose our leadership and choose what is important to us. And so that is a privilege that, again, we shouldn't take for granted and we should pay attention to because we have a right here to choose our leadership. And it's important for us. You know, there's a term that's flung around a lot, and it's mostly a term that you'll see south of the border in the States, but um, we hear it here as well, that there's a term that says there's to be separation of church and state. Now, we don't have states, obviously this is province, but um, there's a term that is separation of church and state, and you'll hear it being talked about a lot, but it's actually misused from its original intention. It's actually is 180 and flipped. That when people use it and you hear that term, separation of church and state, people normally refer to that the church shouldn't have so much involvement with the government. That we don't necessarily should spend time getting involved with these situations. That maybe we should pray about situations, but not necessarily get involved. And that our beliefs shouldn't have a bearing on government. But the original person, which was one of the founding fathers in the United States, it was never put in the Constitution. It was actually a letter that he had wrote to a Baptist church. 
And what he was doing when he said separation of church and state, he was saying, listen, the state will not get too involved in your church that we will dictate how your church should be run. And so it's exactly opposite of what it is used, the original tent and the original meaning meant that, listen, the government shouldn't play a role in what a church should believe and how a church should conduct their manners. So it's not about church not getting involved in the, in, in the government. It's more about the government not getting involved in church. You know, we were faced with this just a, a year ago when our federal government decided that in order for us to get summer jobs, and summer jobs is a program that the federal government puts out and allows people to hire students, you know, for a, a, a reduced rate, and they chip in the money to help pay for students to have jobs in the summer. Well, a year before last in the summer jobs, in order to, all of a sudden, in order to get summer jobs, they required that everybody sign an attestation that said that we were pro-choice. That basically, that we agreed with the pro-choice statement and not to be pro-life. And so most of the Christian organizations, what they did is they didn't sign the attestation. And so the government just cut it off, cut off summer jobs. Well, here we see a mixture of government getting into church that should never happen. And these are things that we do have to pay attention to. Yes, I celebrate and we are blessed to live in Canada. At the same time, as Christians, we need to pay attention, right? We need to pay attention to these situations. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says this, and these are two scriptures that if you've been around here, I share these a couple, three times a year. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, people groan. And so God wants a righteous man to be in authority, a righteous person, woman to be in authority. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And that's what God wants for his people. Another scripture I use quite a bit is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. It says this, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So he tells us here that we're supposed to pray for those in authority. Why? Because God wants righteous leadership. Why? So that Christians who he's talking to can live godly, peaceable lives. Why? So that we can share the gospel and we can share our beliefs without persecution from the government. And so we need to pay attention to that because God wants that type of government in place. Why? So that we can live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. God wants us to be able to live our lives out as a Christian without persecution from government. Now, we're going to get persecution for our faith regardless. I mean, that's what the Bible says. But God says pray that you won't get it from your government. And so we need to pray. And we need to take our responsibility and vote as well. Now, I'm not going to get into the politics of it too much today. I'm just going to talk about our right as Christians to be able to vote. And so in this country, and, and, and our government is set up in a certain way. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it. But the area that we're most concerned with is the area that we get to vote about. And so what happens on Monday when you vote? You are going to vote for one of 338 ridings. And so our Canada is split up into 338 
different sections. And each of those sections, we vote for who do we want in place in that section. And so many of you guys know who our MP has been for years. As a matter of fact, he used to come around here and was a great supporter of Loft Country. His name was Mark Warwa. And what an amazing man. Not only an amazing man in politics, but he was just so open about his faith. And it was such a breath of fresh air to have somebody in politics that was so open about his faith. It didn't matter where he was, what was going on. He always proclaimed that God was his true Lord and his true King. And a matter of fact, I just shared this last week. We actually put up a videotape after he had passed away of him saying his farewell speech before he went back into the hospital, saying his farewell speech at the House of Commons. And you wouldn't know if he was at a pulpit or if he was in the middle of the House of Commons. And if you've never seen it, go and watch his farewell speech because he is God, God, God. He talks about that love is above politics and, and, and talks about 1 Corinthians 13 and just talks about how God should be the center even of politics. And so true, especially for us as Christians. And so Mark Warwa passed away, and, and I've not met his successor yet, but heard he's a wonderful man. And, and in this particular riding, Mark was in as MP for years and years and years and years and years and years. And, and typically this area has been a conservative area. It just has been for years. For a lot of, there's a lot of agriculture. It's rural. And there's a ton of Christians in the area. And so he was our MP for years. Now, what happens when we vote in an MP, we vote in one of the 338 ridings, and then how we get our prime minister is that whoever has the most MPs, the leader of that party, becomes the prime minister of our nation. And so who, at whatever party gets the most MPs, the prime minister then gets appointed to run the country. And then he in turn, appoints his government, his cabinet, the people that he wants in the government. And so the government then is set into place. And what happens at that point is in order for laws, federal laws, to be changed, an MP, one of the 338 that was elected, would bring forth a law, a bill, pardon me, a bill that they would like to see put into a law. A vote would take place, and then after it is passed through the Senate, and the Attorney General signs off on it, it becomes a law. So what happens is, whoever has the most MPs, a lot of times they have control on changing the laws because they bring forth a bill, and usually there's enough people to vote and pass the law. So when you're voting, that's basically what you're doing. You're voting in one of the 338, they appoint the Prime Minister. If that becomes a majority government, where they have enough people that they can vote and pass, they bring laws to pass or remove laws, and with a vote and a few other things that take place, that is what happens. And so that's why it's important to vote. It's not just about, hey, who could we get to talk about and yell at for the next four years? They have the ability to change laws, and we've seen some of those laws come into effect that has really affected the church in the last few years. In the area of free speech, for instance, they've put in laws that, you know, if you say certain things which really line up with our Christian beliefs, then you can become accountable legally. And so we as a church need to be careful of these situations. And so that's why it's important for us to stand up for our rights. And it's gone so far, like I said, I'm, okay, I'm going to back off that, so I'm going to stay away from the politics of it. All right. So the laws that the federal government deals with is federal taxes. That's the laws that they, they deal with, federal taxes, how much tax is paid, safety, orders, immigration, postal service, 
they're over. Criminal legalities, what of our criminal laws are. They deal with the environment situations and how much time and effort we're going to spend and money and different things and resources on environment. Um, pipelines and different things like that they deal with. Guns control and gun control federal governments deal with. And so who we vote into position is we're really voting in people that we want to have control over these type of situations and these laws. And so, like I said, the laws come into existence by any MP bringing a bill, it voted on by the House, et cetera, et cetera, it's brought in. So what's our responsibility as Christians? If it's not, separation of church and state doesn't mean that we're to stay out of politics. It's kind of the opposite. It's that they're to stay out of our lives. What is our role? What is our responsibility as a Christian in the area of this election? First and foremost is praying. We just looked at a scripture that says, pray for those who are in authority that we may live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and honesty, that we can share the gospel because God wishes that all men would be saved, that we can live a life without government persecution in our life. But I love that because he tells us everything that could take place because we pray. So what does that say to me? Even in the area of government, prayer is powerful. And oftentimes we don't know the situations that are going to take place. Yes, even as Christians, we get very party motivated, but at the same time, God has a bigger plan. And so sometimes we think that we know the best and we know what's right and wrong about politics, but we shouldn't even be talking unless we've been praying. Because God and his wisdom has a plan for this country. God and his wisdom has a purpose for this country, for him to have dominion from sea to sea. And so the first thing is that we should be praying, no matter who's in government, we should be praying for them. As Christians, we never know what God is going to do in these scenarios. We've seen it around the world recently. There's things happening in the world, godly things that we don't know how God did it. It's just absolutely amazing with people you would never expect. And so we are to pray for situations. We're to pray for those in authority. What? That they would lead what? Righteously righteously, that they would advance God's agenda on the earth, that the kingdom of God would be advanced on the earth. The first thing we do is pray. And if we're complaining more than we're praying, we're out of line. We really are. And it's easy to complain. And I'm bad. You could say a few things around me and get me hot and going on politics in a hurry. But I have to stand back and go, I need to complain less and pray more. Because prayer works. Isn't that cool that God says prayer works? So what can we do? What's our responsibility as Christians? Pray. Another thing is that we have a godly right to vote. And a vote is not just going there and, you know, on on years that elections are close. Even if you think there's going to be a landslide, which this one is not, we should be voting for the simple fact is that our actions are seed before God. What we do is we continually plant seed. And so even if it might not be for this one, if we are saying, God, to the best of my knowledge, I'm voting for what I think would be the most righteous cause. It is a seed for the future. And God adds those up. And so when we plant seed, what happens? There's a time and then there's a what? A harvest. And so we might be like, oh, you know, at a certain time in our lives, or maybe it doesn't go our way, but we don't realize sometimes that what we've done along the way is planting seed and creating a harvest for the future plan of God. 
And so no matter what we do, just, just, if, it, if it's just because God, thank you that I live in a country that I can still share the gospel, there's my vote. That's good enough reason to go. Even if we voted what wasn't the will of God, it still is a seed planted that we believe we're doing the right thing. And God honors that above the ballot box is the seed that we continually sow is so important. Why? Because the next one comes around and everybody forgets about this one, but God never forgets anything. He never lets any seed that is to come to fruition die and not come alive after it has died, I should say, the seed. And so just sowing a seed is so important. To say, ah, my vote's not going to make a difference. Your seed makes a difference. Your seed makes a difference. And then lastly, what's our responsibility as Christians? If you're called into politics, this is where this whole church and state comes. People have been told for years that you can't be if you're a Christian. If you're called into politics, follow it. Follow your heart. It's not about party. God might be setting you up to use you for, in the, for the future of this country. Maybe a season, it might be your lifelong call, but get involved if that's what you feel in your heart. It's not wrong to do so. Matter of fact, a few years back, there was a big movement in, in, in Christendom getting away from the fact that church is not the only place that we can affect this world. A matter of fact, church is just one of the places, and it should be the place that people go out and affect it in other places. It really should just be the equipping of the saints. It's not about how many people can you get in a building. It's about how many people in that building can affect the earth for the kingdom of God. And God sees that fruit. And years ago, they, they defined these seven spheres of what Christians should be involved in. And in no particular order, other than its alphabetical order, one of the spheres was arts and entertainment. Getting involved in that. Why? Because it impacts people. Business. Business. It's just a fact that money affects the environment. And even though we are never to be mastered by it, God uses it as a tool, consistently uses money as a tool. That's why the, it's not a sin to be prosperous. The Bible never, ever, ever says it's a sin to be rich. What's the root of all evil? Not money. The Bible says it's the love of money. And that's really anything, right? It's, we are to be mastered by nothing. Right? You know, we've often talked about drinking in here, and I used to take a really hard stance against it in my early years, and that's not what the Bible's trying to say. The Bible says just don't be mastered by it. He talks about it. Be respectful of it. And if you're mastered by it, it's time to lose that master. Right? So business. Business. Church is one of them, of course. Education is another one. One of the spheres. Just had conversation last week with Peter. I'm constantly just thinking about, you know, we're so involved with kids and youth on Thursday nights and just what maybe is another step we could do just to, because education is, it's like uh, school isn't what it used to be, especially in the area of Christian values. And so how do we involve ourselves in education, either getting into the school system or finding another way? You know, I often think about my boy's homeschooled and, you know, he wouldn't do well in school just because he doesn't learn that way. And I'm surprised he's sitting here this long. He just, he's, he's, he's pretty busy, but he's already skipped a grade. He's ahead of, ahead of year. And we were even debating on skipping him another year this year. But 
I don't know what they do in school anymore because he only spends two and a half hours in school a day and still has skipped a grade and, and maybe three and a half some days. And you know what I mean? He just, his personalities get to work, get it done like mine is. But there was a huge homeschool movement years ago. And so it was a great movement. But now I look back almost and now I have this thing going on because what happened is all the Christian kids left school. And the parents, and all of a sudden, the morality and everything in public school changed. Why? Because a lot of them had pulled out. So I don't know the answer to this stuff, but God does, right? God does, whether it's getting back into the school system, doing something new, making something obsolete. I don't know. But education, no matter what you're in, if you're a teacher, God bless you. Even if you're praying for your kids, we just found out prayer works, right? Another thing is family, sphere. Family. Another sphere that we can affect lives are, are, is government. And this is one of the spheres that they talked about. If you're called into government, don't be ashamed about that. Go get them. Be led by God. Right? I remember talking to Mark. He was, our, like I said, our MP. And just, I remember he came here one time and he was talking to me. And, and it was the time they were dealing with two things. They were dealing with um, the pro-choice situation. And they were dealing with the euthanasia scenario. And it was just a couple of years ago that this was taking place. And he was in, you know, the opposition government as, as the government now that was in. And they brought to the table euthanasia. And they passed a bill that it's just so easy to die. Even today. Now, that bill's in, in place. The law's in place. It's easy to die. If you want to die, you can have a go, go have a doctor and he'll kill you. This is what we're living in. And so we do have to pay attention. And, it, and these things are slipped by without people knowing. But... If we have more Christians in government, these things don't slip by. But he said one time he had to leave the House of Commons, and they found him in the washroom, and he, just, he said he was weeping for two hours. He could not believe what had happened when this euthanasia bill had passed. And he said to me, Tran, he said, there's two things. He says, first of all, you have young people that have mental struggles. And he says, if they convince the doctor, whether it's pain or whatever, these doctors will put them to sleep. This is my MP. This isn't just somebody off the street telling me this. And he said, secondly, I said, what can I do? Mark says, what can this country do? He says, give the elderly a reason to live. He says, because they will knock them off like that. He says, give them a reason to live because one morning they wake up and they decide they don't want to, they don't have to anymore. And he says, don't let that happen. And so why do we need Christians in government? We need more of those, right? We need more of those. And then lastly is media. Why? Because it's so powerful. So powerful. And it's becoming a whole new world, that is, too. It used to be just the television has controlled everything, but social media has become so powerful. So, those are the seven spheres. All that being said, we live in an amazing country. We need to vote tomorrow. But I want to end on this. This is my conclusion. I was in a meeting, actually just a, an event, where we were hanging around and chatting at this social event, and there was a pastor there who had been invited to sit last year at one of the presidential breakfast meetings. And so he was telling us that he went in there and it was super high security and everybody was frisked and everybody, no matter who you were, went through. And, and he said there was uh, representatives from all these different countries. He was representative of one of the countries. And he went in there. He's telling us that this is the social. He went in there and he said he just, the, the whole feeling of it was so overwhelming. And he said, as he sat down, he just saw the power in the room and the power of the president of the United States because really, 
he's probably the most powerful man in all the world, certainly the free world. That's, that's the position that that man is in. Like, what is at his fingertips and what they can do is just amazing. And so he was sitting there and he was in awe of this scenario that he was at this breakfast with the most powerful man in the world. And that president recently stood up and shared a little bit. And then he handed it over to someone that he wanted to pray and talk about the Bible before they had breakfast. And so he sat down, and the pastor that was chosen for that morning stood up, and he opened the Bible. And this man said to me, the moment he opened the Bible, everything he had just thought about the most powerful man in the world, just everything took a seat. And he said, when he opened that word of God, he realized that it didn't matter if the president of the United States was there. It didn't matter if every single representative of the world was there. The moment that book opened, he realized there is the king of kings. And everything else was subject to that. And this man was not from a country in North America. And so I hadn't even thought about how somebody would process that from a different point of view. We're just so closely related to that. We feel like we're a part of them at times. You know what I mean? Like if something's going to go on, we're protected, all that kind of stuff. But how would somebody else look at this situation from the outside? Could be feeling intimidated or feeling underwhelmed or insecure or what would happen to us and all this stuff. And you know, what's going to happen to our country? Great that these guys are the most powerful in the world, but what about us? But he said, the moment the word opened up, all that went away. And he said, no matter who's standing up there, I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And no matter what country you live in, no matter where you're from, no matter how good or bad things are going, we still are so blessed. Why? Because we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Philippians 2.9 through 11 says this, therefore God has also highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, no matter what, we belong to him. And the word of God is the most powerful thing in the universe. That You can chain a man, but you can't chain the word of God. And no matter where we are, when we speak the word of God, there is not a demon, a most powerful president, prime minister, anybody in the world, dictator in the world, that can stop the word of God. He is highly exalted above all, King of kings and Lord of lords. So no matter where we sit, I'm so thankful I live in Canada, but whether I live here or somewhere else, as long as I'm in the will of God, I would rather be in the middle of a nuclear war knowing I am in the will of God than being in the most peaceful area wondering if I'm outside of it or wondering if I don't belong to him. But we do. Ben, come on up. I'm sorry, we're going to be a little long today. Just another five minutes. I want to take communion over our today and just, we got an election tomorrow and I want to take communion. But I just want to really focus on Jesus. And he is the King of Kings. And he is the Lord of Lords. And I'd love for you to partake with us today in that. So we're going to take communion. Is everybody, we ready? All right. Paul, speaking in the book of Corinthians, said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you he died on the cross and his body was broke so that we could live eternally in our resurrected bodies, God, that you're designed for us to be whole always. Father, I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go ahead. I thank you, Lord, that your body, your word is God, what gives us life and nourishment. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, I thank you that you gave us a covenant written in the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that we are in covenant with you, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that you have a plan, that our future is hidden in Christ, hidden in you, God, that we have been seated in the heavenly places, far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that is named. God, that you call us your children. We belong to you. We have a future with you. God, and I thank you, God, whatever you're doing in this country, God, we dedicate it to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we stand here in Canada, covenant believers in this earth. God, teach us to pray what we should pray. Teach us to do what we should do. Give us a heart for what we need to do in this earth. I thank you, God, we belong to you in the name of Jesus. Go ahead. Amen.